Hi, I'm Sammy, or Samantha Hanna if we're being all official about it. Sorry, I forgot my name. (laughs) Hi, I'm Sammy, or Samantha Hanna if we're being all official about it. And I'm Lisa, Lisa McLeod Whiting, if I'm writing it in a document, or if you're announcing me to the stage at a comedy gig. And we're pals. pals. But we want more pals. Sorry, I just stole your lines. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> but we want more pals. Yeah, we do. And we want to know if New Zealand comedian Di Henwood thinks of us as pals. I think it's pretty audacious on my part, given I've never met the guy. But he's a friendly guy. He's famously friendly. And if he isn't our pal yet, maybe by the end of the podcast episode he will be. As long as his non-negotiable doesn't rule us out from his friendship circle. And our non-negotiable doesn't rule him out. Which is... Someone, someone who, who smokes, smokes a vape that's the same flavour as a hubba-bubba-bubba-gum. Wow, that was beautiful. I think that's the most satisfying phrase. You know how Tolkien... <laughs> you watched Donnie Darko before where Salador's meant to be oh, the most, yeah, be the most satisfying... Wrong. Yeah, hubba-bubba-bubba-gum. Hubba-bubba-bubba-gum. Said in sync with your pal is the most satisfying thing that can come out of your mouth. But we don't want it. We don't want to smoke it. We don't want to go outside and like, oh, I'm just going to suck on my uh, cherry, cherry, sour, popsicle vape. <laughs> I mean, not a the way you said it makes it sound pretty appetizing. Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, do you want to feel like that? No, we don't. We don't want that. Um, but we do want him to be our friend. I think it would be lovely if Di became our new friend. Yeah. And I think you're... On the road to success friendship-wise with him, because little context for the listeners, we recorded this episode about a week before Sammy opened for Di at the Wellington Opera House, just casually. I feel like that's something that you ask a pal to do. Well, we'll find out. I guess let's go and ask him, shall we? Yeah. Let's chat to Di Henwood. To Are We Pals podcast, we have a very special guest today. Hello, Di. We've got Di, New Zealand comedian, um, or in legend, really, yeah. uh, national treasure. It's um, too kind. <laughs> but you're not denying it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very accurate, in fact. I would have gone a bit further, to be honest. Oh, what would you and, What's uh, the tier above national treasure? Oh, yeah, I don't know, actually. Okay, you can't go any higher than that. So I'll just steadily agree with you on that. <laughs> This podcast is all about pals and us figuring out who our real friends are. Die, are we are we pals? Before the podcast, I've been thinking about this because I knew the name of the podcast, actually. <laughs> and, you know, I would say yes, even though I've met you in person once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did, a, we did a, two gigs together, but on the same night. And um, as soon as I met you, I really liked your vibe. I loved your comedy. You're easy to hang out with. So I'd say yes, we're pals. And then I suppose as we meet each other more, we'll become better pals. Well, we were chatting about this before. It's like, when do you go from being pals or friendly mm-hmm. to like, now we're actually friends? And um, so I've been thinking about this as well. But in a lot of the posts that you've done, because we're getting together soon, you've been like, my my friend, Samantha. And I'm like, well, it's in print now. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't deny it. Yeah. Um, so- That's, I was thinking about that because we've got my friend, Samantha, and my friend, Justine. Right? <laughs> Justine Smith is also doing this show with us. Um and the difference is I've met you once and she was the best man at my wedding. So um, there's two tears there. It sounds better than saying in the press, my acquaintance, Samantha, am I really good? Yeah. Just- <laughs> Lisa, we've just met now. Are we pals? Um, 
And we're pals by association, and I think we will become pals oh, by the end so of this chat. That is perfect. And we will, obviously, as we go through, we're going to speak more about friendship. But at the end of the call, what will happen is we're going to ask you non-negotiable about friendship. So it might be that even if we have a great chat, we can't be friends. So for now, we think we're all going to be pals, but really we're going to find out at the end, okay? Um, lovely. So, Di, you seem like a really friendly guy. You seem like you've got friends, a lot of friends from the outside. Um, but in reality... Do you? Do you have a lot of friends? Is that true? Yes, I do. I am a friendly guy. I'm approachable. And this has been for better or worse, right? To answer your question quickly, yes, I do have friends. I've got a really cool group, friendship group, sort of a a tight one. And then I've got a broader one. And I love meeting new people and becoming friends with them and spending time with them. Uh, Like this afternoon, I'm going to play golf with a guy who I sort of have just met a couple of times, but I can tell we're going to be good friends. I got on, I started doing stand-up comedy in 1997. Then I got sort of big on TV around 2005, 2006. And um, I was the small approachable guy. And so that meant I meet lunatics. (laughs) And they come up to me and they come in so hot just thinking they're best buddies. A guy in Blenheim tried to wear me like a hat repetitively in a bar. He was a very tall guy, real sort of buff farm type, and he just kept picking me up and trying to wear me like a hat. And um, so he thought of me as a friend. I did not think of him as a friend in that situation. (laughs) I definitely did not. Always check people consent before you try and wear them as a hat, okay? And... So I've met lots of people, but I'm I'm a friendly guy. I suppose my negative in a way for me is I am quite a people pleaser and I've only got to grips with that in recent times. So um, I would often maybe show people that they were mates of mine when they're not mates of mine because I didn't want to let them down. But I've been a lot better at just being honest. But yep. I've got great friends and um, as a lot of people know, I went public with a cancer diagnosis I have and it's my friends that have helped me get through the last three, four years. My friends and my whanau, um, I have a big text group that I just, when I'm feeling shitty, I fling it out there. When I'm feeling good, I fling it out there and we all joke around and boost each other up. So I, I love my friends and they're um, probably one of the main reasons to be on this planet. With the um, diagnosis, has that helped you reprioritize some of your friendships as well and kind of leave ones that aren't helping you as much or aren't bringing as much that came as a result of your people-pleasing nature? Like, Have you sort of whittled down your core friend group a little bit? Yeah, completely. I'm very much um, down the idea of don't chase a friendship, don't chase things, just let things go let things flow and the the people who are natural friends and that sort of the universe thinks you should be friends with just come into your orbit and you connect with them. They text you as much as you text them. It feels easy when you hang out. There's nothing worse than catching up with a mate who you haven't seen for a while. Life happens, right? You don't see people every day. It might be a month between. There's nothing worse than catching someone with someone and they, they're just straight up, Oh, we never see each other, you know, we never catch up, you know, and it's just like sets it up on that thing of, oh, I'm not, this is a struggle rather yeah. than I sat down with a mate who I haven't seen for three years and it just felt like it was yesterday. So, and we weren't, nothing was forced or pushing, just sort of some laughs and casually going along. So 
it definitely has meant people have drifted out of my orbit and that's fine and some people come back in. Then I got that little, you know, that sort of tight knit group of about, I don't know, somewhere around five people that you're sort of, they're the people you text straight away when you've got good news, when you've got bad news, if you're just bored, you know, that sort of thing. So that core doesn't change, but yeah, that wider group sort of oscillates a bit. Mm -hmm. And have you made any new friends since the diagnosis? Like, have you made any new groups that are maybe going through similar things or has it opened you up to any new worlds? Massively. So after my first major surgery where I got half my liver taken out, um, I was walking up and down the corridor uh, just sort of trying to, they, I mean, as soon as you finish an operation, basically they want you up and moving around and stuff. And there's a guy sitting at the other end and he he looked about my sort of age, which was rare in, in hospital because for my sort of thing, it's often people a lot older, although my son would tell you that I'm 80 apparently. <laughs> um, but he was sitting at the end having a coffee and I sort of sat down and it turned out he had exactly the same diagnosis as me, was going through exactly the same procedures with exactly the same medical crew. So we, it was my first touch point of a guy who we just got along straight away. We became friends he was someone who actually understood what I was going through. So since then, I've met a few other people my age. Every day, I'm getting messages from people um, who have seen my story and it's uh, resonated with them or helped them in some way. So I'm messaging with them. And I have got this sort of wider uh, – people are called pals, I suppose, <laughs> rather than good friends. That has helped me and it's – help them so um Mm. now I've sort of got this bucket of cancer buddies and then this bucket of non-cancer buddies (laughs) hopefully that's what the group chat's called (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh that's so awesome just to hear yeah just like that you have kind of met people through that who can relate because I guess it's quite difficult for some other people to be able to understand all those things that you're going through and you can just cut straight through the bullshit because you've got that shared experience and you don't have to kind of dance around their feelings about it necessarily you can just go this sucks but you can bond oh lisa you're so you're so on point like it is um it's i liken it a bit it's to people who might have been in war or gone through um something horrifically traumatic they're like it's like they're fused together they're bonded and it is it's stuff we don't talk about, but we just know. Mm-hmm. Like when you say I'm off to do chemo tomorrow or whatever, they just know exactly what that's like. And you feel comfortable with that because it's not like you're trying to explain, oh, this is so hard. They fully understand. So it is, it's just this bond you sort of have straight away. Even if someone comes up to me at a gig, I, um, I get a few people who are going through some pretty horrific stuff come come along to gigs, which is cool, and we have a laugh. Then afterwards, it's sort of a, a little eye connection of, yeah, we know, I, you don't need to tell me. You know, we're on the, on the same page. I mean, similarly, it's not the same as cancer, but um, in one of my first uh, stand-up routines, I used to talk about thrush, and um, I, you'd be surprised how we've all been there. But getting recognised for the first time, having that nice experience, then being tainted by a complete stranger, being like, and I've just overcome absolutely crippling thrush. And I'm like, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so glad that we could break the stigma together. Stopped doing that joke because I was like, I don't need to know. It's <laughs> too much. 
Justine Smith being your best man. How did that come about? Yes, so when I started out, um, I met Juzzy very early on in my comedy career. And we just, you know those people, as soon as you meet them, you go, (laughs) we're going to be good buddies. And I've sort of, I've been someone who's always, I've always sort of been in long-term relationships. And ever since I was a kid, I've always had close friends who are women as well. Like when I started out comedy, um, I started out as a double act with a woman called Anna Kennedy. We were called Diana. And she was like best mate of mine. And the women I've been friends with are all um, really staunch, full-on <laughs> individuals, uh, which I think, I don't know if you want to get Freudy on, on it. My mum's a pretty staunch uh, individual. Uh, so I was just drawn to Juzzy, and we became best mates. We were thick as thieves straight away. I was living in Wellington at the time. I came up to Auckland, and I was uh, flatting with a friend of hers, Jan Marie. Um, we were all just sort of buddies, and there was this guy, Mike Boone and Reese Darby, and we had this little clan, and we'd do comedy nights together. We'd put on shows together and that sort of thing. And Juzzy and I would hang out every day. We'd play pool pretty much every day. We'd play pool. We'd drink, we'd just have great, great times. And she has been basically through my entire comedy career, my personal life, she has just been uh, constant in my life. And she has been so much support to me when I need it, when I don't need it. And I've been a support network for her as well. And it's that thing of when you've got a mate who you've had for so long, they know everything about you she's been such a special part of my life and it's so awesome having someone who you just love so much and you love their comedy as well so it's cool having a mate who I can work with but also I love hanging she's out definitely with. somebody as soon as you meet her you go she is somebody you want in your corner like she's a good mm-hmm. person to have in your corner um and she's somebody who seems to like you meet her and she doesn't have time for bullshit She's just, I think the first time she met me, she's like, have you ever tried just calming the fuck down? Because I was just pacing around the group and she was just watching me like, but I was going to ask, like, you know, because you came up, like you said, with all these incredibly well-known names in New Zealand comedy, sort of the vanguard of this, what New Zealand comedy is. And um, like, but comedy is naturally quite a competitive industry and it sometimes feels like you are competing against your friends for certain gigs and spots and things like that. Have you had that before with mates and how have you overcome that? I I think in a way what has helped is all of my close friends, um, especially when I was coming through, were very, we were all very different styles. I lived with Reese Darby, who he's sort of just this, um, you know, eccentric voices, almost um, slightly camp style, just like over the top. Um, So him and I were always very different on a bill. Um, you had Juzzy, who was just naturally different in her experience and a different gender. So, you know, we all, all could compile a lineup and no one was stepping on each other's shoes. Then, like, Jan Marie was so different to Juzzy and so different to us. I suppose always is that thing. Like, it is quite competitive. But when we came through, because there wasn't any TV work or anything, no one really knew what they were doing and it wasn't doing it for money so much. Like at the classic, we get paid a $20 bar tab. Um, and you just sort of have that while you were, um, after you'd done your gig. And 
naturally there is like I'm not going to lie. I, I I came through um with the flight of the Concords. Uh, Brett McKenzie, I did play cricket with since I was five, and went to school with, and we we're really close. Um, and then when we we're over in Edinburgh, I was living with them just when they were taking off, right? And I was cancelling shows. I I cancelled probably fourteen out of my forty shows, and so they were on this hockey stick to the universe, mm. and I wasn't. And mentally, for me, it was good that they were a musical group because they were so different to me. But I, I still, I, I had jealousy, you know, because who wouldn't? <laughs> you know, who wouldn't? I wasn't jealousy that I wanted them to fail. It was just like I would love to not be cancelling shows and to be selling out. So naturally there was always the competition element. If someone got a cool role, you'd want a cool role. But um, I've always been someone that's been quite comfortable that I have faith in myself that I am good at comedy, that I love doing comedy and that it will work out for me. So I never really pitted myself against people too much, but I'd be lying if I was saying um, there wasn't a bit of jealousy along the way. I think especially in Edinburgh, like that's such a awful thing when you're walking around, say you're on the Royal Mile and you bump into a friend and you're like, how's your show going? And they're like, yeah, I'm selling out. And you're how's yours? And you're like, oh, I've just, yeah, I've just cancelled it. And it, it, people are on such different buzzes. And it's like, oh. With the Concords, they, um, they weren't just selling out. Every comic yeah. was at their shows. So they had the thing of people buying tickets plus the critical acclaim of like every comic was the flight of Concords. They're amazing. You've got to see them. And I sort of that that first time I was in Edinburgh, I was at the assembly rooms, which um, didn't really suit the style of show I was doing. The guy who was my producer over there was sort of um, a family friend and he did more big uh, stage shows that had stand-up comics in them, like 12 Angry Men and those sort of things. So it was sort of a combination of me being maybe in the wrong venue. I wasn't marketed to the right people. Uh, the show wasn't strong enough. So, so many things. And Edinburgh is brutal. Even if you're having a good time, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely, I've, yeah, I think I've had my lowest moments in Edinburgh on a bad show. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's strength and jiggle. Is it true that when you did come become public with your cancer diagnosis that you received, was it 7,000 messages or something? And like the Yeah, it was a bit more, Whoa. I think. It was an interview about it, but then like an hour-long interview, they played a five-minute interview on the project, then the hour-long sort of version was on YouTube. The, a couple of days later, I'm at my local cafe, and this guy comes up and he goes, hey, um, I watched your interview, and I'm really sorry to hear about your AIDS. <laughs> And um, I, laugh. I was like, oh, I, laugh. I, I, don't, I don't think you watched the interview very closely. <laughs> I don't have AIDS, but uh, it's like an abbreviated headline. It's like, Diane was diagnosed with, and he's like, fill in the gap. You know, <laughs> it's obviously AIDS. I don't, but thank you for leaping to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> It was the most inappropriate yet funniest thing I think that's happened to me this year. And the guy's like, Dad's still really struggling with the stigma. He's looking great, to be honest. Have you talked about that on stage? I haven't yet, actually. I should, I, I've got to find out how to make that work. Just do what you just did. Yeah. Who's your most left-field friend? 
like your friend who's inexplicable in some way in your life? What I think is lost in society at the moment is the ability for people to be friends with people that they don't agree with, right? When I was young, my mum was a judge my, who um, she was the second female judge in New Zealand. She was a, a very young judge, good looking. So she went through a lot of shit in a very sexist industry. My dad was an actor. They'd have these amazing dinner parties with people who they massively disagreed with and that would have these awesome arguments over the dinner table, give each other a hug and leave. I would say my most left field friend that people would maybe go why is a guy called Leo Malloy. Um who how would you describe him? Maybe a right wing punisher <laughs> is what some people would describe him as. A friend of mine, Monty Beatham, who's like an ex rugby league player, boxer type. He's a very close friend. I did a sort of training boot camp thing with him in the years before COVID and Leo was one of the guys in it. And I got to know him at five o'clock in the morning when you're both sweating your ass out, just chatting and that. And then he has showed me so much kindness and the stuff I actually know that he has done for people in a way for me doesn't line up with maybe what his image is to everyone else. But I find him a very kind man. I, he knows where I stand. We don't agree politically. He gives me shit for being a lefty. He gives me shit for a lot of things. I give him shit for his beliefs. But we like each other. And I know that a lot of my other friends don't and some have had a massive falling out, but he's a mate of mine. And um, I think we need more of that in this world. I think we need people to spend more time trying to understand other people's points of view. You don't have to agree with them, but you have to understand why they believe Mm -hmm. something. Otherwise, it's all lost, people going into these little tribes of I believe this, so I can't talk to you. And actually, you don't, they don't have to be close friends. Try and have some pals who are uh, on different sides of the political spectrum or, or whatever. Yeah, I love that your most left-field friend is actually quite right-field. <laughs> <laughs> my left-field friend is, is, is all my friends are bloody hard out lefties. <laughs> we've got listener questions even though literally nobody's listened to the podcast yet <laughs> no but we put it on our like on our social media so we do have questions yeah. future listeners yeah they're out there um, and it was about making friends wasn't yeah. it yeah do you have any advice for how because we get a lot of people asking us you know i've moved to a new city i'm an adult i'm in my 30s how do i make friends so what's your one piece of advice for people to make friends as an adult it's hard making friends as an adult but i reckon just spark up random conversations at if you're at a cafe or whatever and then you can find out you know if you're in a queue or whatever ask someone just something like hey hey man what do you reckon about rainbows <laughs> or something like just I, I, i'm a big fan of the random question and then you can then they they might just look at you like you're a maniac and then they'll go on about their day or you might get into a cool conversation on a more practical level go do um do something like if you've got a hobby say golf for instance just go and play golf by yourself and then you'll bump into someone or you might get matched up and do a realm with someone and you could become mates with them i think try and do it anywhere except at a pub or a nightclub or something like that because that sort of never irons itself out very well so no random questions and uh go and join a group 
What's your handicap die? Just curious. Oh, it is 27, so it's very high. Could be a lot higher, though. Well, if you're next in Wellington and you want to play golf, my partner, he's always looking for people to golf with. Um, so go, you, he could be your pal as well. He's looking for new pals. Um, oh, well, look, I could make more friends. Yeah, I love he'll it. be stoked as well. He'll be like, oh, thanks. Thanks for picking me up with Di as a friend. That's great. <laughs> love that. But yeah, he's playing <laughs> um, at Royal Wellington, which I believe is quite a nice course. It is. My mum and dad used to be members out oh. there. It's very nice. Oh, there you go. I don't know what handicap he is. I should probably listen more. <laughs> <laughs> We are actually going to ask you for something that potentially will write us off as friends. Uh, we talk a lot about kind of consenting to friendships, which is part of what this podcast is about, and non-negotiables. So what is something that will just stop you from kind of pursuing that friendship, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have a non-negotiable for us? And this is going to test whether we can actually be friends or not. Now, I think anyone should write this person off and everyone should have this as a non-negotiable. Mine is acceptance. And I know when people think acceptance, they're thinking more accepting people's sexuality, religious views, those sort of things. For me, I've always been into weird fads, right? So you've got to accept my weird fads. I'm in a very messy shed because I've just built a sauna in here. I got really into saunas. So you've got to accept that I'm into saunas. I've got a weird cold plunge that I do in my Speedos. And you've got to accept that. Granted, you will never see me in my speedos unless you are a member of my family. But you've got to accept that. And I think of my family as friends. However, you can't have non-negotiables with them. They literally just have to be your friends. Acceptance. Because I like weird things, I change my views on things. I think the beautiful thing about humans is you can change your view based on new information. So I might change my view on something if new information comes to light. You've got to accept that. I'm going to show up to a coffee wearing track pants, Justine Smith, and you have to accept that, even though she hasn't accepted that. And I look great in those track pants, Justine Smith. But she accepts pretty much everything else except those track pants, and that's okay. I'll give her the track pants. I won't wear them again, Justine. I'm sorry. But basic acceptance on living your life, changing your views. You've just... I think that goes for the whole of life. If you just accept things and don't try and change other people, then you'll have a win. That's beautiful. I'm on board with I'm that. I'm on board. We'll accept you. I do want to say, though, I mean, I'm fine with the tracksuits. If you turn up to the gig that we're doing soon in tracksuits, absolutely fine. Just don't turn up in your Speedos. <laughs> oh, that is a guarantee. That is, this gig's almost sold out and it'll be completely empty by the time I've got to the mic. If My I'm dad did speedos. come to school camp in speedos like well not in speedos but he ran the kayaking thing oh, at school camp at uh what was it called kiwi ranch and he was like oh i'll do this and he was like lisa lisa's scottish and then i was like why are you in a kayak in your speedos dad and everyone's like that's lisa's dad i'm like what do you mean you're like he's scottish he's like, i've never met this man in my life <laughs> Diet, you don't vape, do you? Oh, no. Okay. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> we were- no, look, I am ai was on your analog vapes back in the day, your actual yeah. cigarettes. <laughs> you either smoke cigarettes or do nothing. <laughs> There's nothing cool about coming in and asking if you can charge your massive watermelon vape. square April, a- apple and cinnamon vape. Like, yeah, I, I'm 
we're on the same page. That's perfect because we were thinking specifically anyone that smokes of a flavour that is the same as a Hubba Bubba flavour, just chew the gum if that's the flavour that you want. Don't interrupt what we're doing to go outside and have it hanging out your mouth. You've got to if you're going to vape, it's got to be some nasty straight up. Yeah. Straight tobacco flavour. Yeah. Right. So with you. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna do it, at least make it like like I don't know, dirty. Make it unenjoyable. <laughs> Not a flavour that a child would enjoy. Okay, great. So we're pals. We can be pals. Yay! We're all pals together. This is the best news. Um, it's already in print for me, so you're going to have to gig with Lisa and be like, my friend Lisa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my recent acquaintance. I'll look forward to it, Lisa. Yay. And yeah, and we actually do have Justine Smith coming on next, so we'll be able to ask her about the track sets and we'll also be able to ask what <laughs> she really thinks about you. <laughs> oh, lovely to um, see you, Samantha. And nice to meet you, Lisa. Nice to meet you too. Wow, what an episode. That was just such a joy speaking to Di about friendship. Now, you may have noticed halfway through the sound quality changed a little Uh, bit. What are you talking about? (laughs) Now, unfortunately, halfway through the call, Di was dramatically ejected. No, the the call cut off, basically, didn't it? And when he came back on, we thought that the sound was better. And then in edit, realised, actually, it it was worse. Here's yeah. the thing you need to know about Sammy and I. We are very passionate about friendship, but we don't know anything about tech. Well, I mean, Sammy does now. Well, we're learning as we go. It's a journey. It's a journey. So if you made it this far with the little sound glitches, we really appreciate you. Thank, oh, you, thank you so, so much. much. And we will get better. Mm-hmm. We are learning as we go. Um, but if you are a sound producer, you want to help. you have an abundance of time and money. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have a budget. Yeah, because. and money something you're not concerned about. But, you know, you, you believe in the vision and the potential. Oh, if we, were, we, were in the top, we were in the top 10 oh, for the briefly. briefest of moments <laughs> like a but, moment it's still there but still so if you believe in, in the future of us then please help us help help but also, how good was the content? And that's what it's all so about. So good. He's so kind, so, so open, lovely. so funny. And the gig that we did at the Opera House, Incredible. he smashed it, didn't he? And so good. standing ovation for about over oh, a thousand people. And very emotional. I had tears in my eyes. So yeah, we really appreciate Di coming on. He is a fantastic human being and his insights into friendship were on point. Yeah, I really appreciate how openly he shared with us. If you have an idea of who we should speak to and guests or topics you wanted us to chat about, flick us an email at arewepowspod at gmail.com. Yeah, okay, we're going to go, but um, remember, tell your friends you love them. Tell your friends you love them. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.